Marketing Movement by Refine Labs. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Marketing Movement. So my name is Blake Strozik, Performance Marketing Manager here at Refine Labs. And today, I'm super excited to have on Matt Chanella, Strategy Director at Gorilla76, an industrial marketing agency that helps mid-sized B2B manufacturers identify, attract, engage, and drive sales opportunities. Matt, really excited to have you on today and talk through like paid social one-on-one for B2B. Happy to have you here, man. Yeah, appreciate it, Blake. Really, really happy to have you to be on the show, not even have you on the show. <laughs> You're <laughs> really, all good, man. Yeah, no, it's really nice to be on the show, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, man, we did the event, like going through, had about 30, you know, uh, B2B marketers on the event talking through paid social. So I thought this would be a great kind of yep. addition to that. So really like high level, what I want to cover today is just walking through. I mean, we're pretty philosophically aligned on how we use paid social for our clients. We use it for mm-hmm. B2B SaaS, you use it for industrial. And I thought it'd be great to like walk through like the 101 how do you build the foundation? So this is like by no means a definitive agenda, but really just want to walk high level through, you know, how do you set the strategy and get the executive alignment on how to use paid social? Which platforms do you use? LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Do you even consider TikTok, Twitter, all those different things? Um, targeting and how to build your audiences there. Going through tactical campaigns. And then like what content to run and how to measure performance. And finally, how do you assign attribution to all of it? So pretty meaty list, but really just want to get started at the top, which how do you set like the strategy? So, I mean, I can riff on this for a bit, but I kind of want to hear how you guys do it. I'm at Gorilla and kind of how you approach setting strategy and getting executive alignment when you're starting with paid social. Yeah. So obviously we're an agency just like you guys are. And so a lot of the alignment happens sort of at the outset before we even get in and start working with the client. So, um, for me, what we do is we have a, we have this thing called the industrial marketing roadmap. So we engage a client really in what amounts to a four hour workshop with them, where we have a discovery survey where we go over sort of what their top line revenue looks like, their profit margin, their, you know, sales cycle, um, what their what their primary channels are that are working. It's a very it's a very comprehensive sort of survey, uh, and we kind of get that from the executive team, sales team, marketing team if they have that as well. Um, and then we dive in and we kind of dissect that with them in this workshop and and really get to know their ideal customer profile, where they see the most growth for themselves, um, what their product does, and who it best serves. And that's that gives us a really good foundation to kind of come in with the strategy for them overall. And it's not just a strategy of like running ads. It's also obviously a strategy of what content are we going to create? What, what kind of positioning or what kind of flag do we want to plant in the ground with you guys? And then what content are we going to create to support that positioning and then distribute that uh, through which channel? So for us, the foundation really starts with that kind of deep dive with the client. And then we go back, do our own research, plus go through our notes and rewatch those those uh those workshops and then come through with the foundational plan in order to execute for them yeah i love that and i think that you know kind of what you keyed in on there right is like you're you're starting with your customer and so like you're aligned with it but then like for the clients you're working with you're starting on their customers and like where mm-hmm. they're coming from and having a deep dive in there because i think one of the things that you know i see like as a common i don't want to call it a mistake in b2b but people or people can go off track is that they don't start with their customer right they start with what they think or what they you know um like you know kind of see what other people are doing and they think that's going to apply for them and i think like starting with 
you know, your client's customer, where they're going to be at online, what kind of, you know, as you said, content you can provide for them. I think that's key. So like when you're well, like, no, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, was gonna say I, mean, I, I think, I, I think a lot of companies, whether it's startup or, or legacy uh, companies, I think they struggle knowing who their best customers are and then leaning harder into it. I think it's very easy to kind of say we do well here and we want to grow here. So let's focus marketing here. But honestly, if you're doing well in a certain vertical or industry, you probably have a lot more market share to capture there. Um, and and get for yourself. And I think a lot of companies sort of lose sight of just wanting to grow somewhere else at the expense of focusing hard where they already do well. And so really for us, a big part of those workshops is identifying where they're very strong and where we can help them get stronger in those areas. Yeah, because I mean, that's a great call out because I feel like, I mean, in SaaS, I see this a lot, but like you can have a tool that's going to work across a lot of different industries, right? And when you're doing a strategy like this, you want to focus on typically in my experience, where are you best? Or like you said, where do you have the most opportunity? So do you see that a lot where it's like there's a lot of different industries and you have to really focus in on a couple that are working well? Yeah, hundred percent. So like, I know for in, in, in B2B SaaS, you, know, you guys are looking at, you know, finance industry or HR or something like that. Right. So like where we play or where I play, it's like, we're looking at automotive and we're looking at heavy fabrication and we're looking at oil and energy. These are all industries that everyone wants to get into, right. In mm-hmm. some way, in, in some way, shape or another, you know? And so for, for me, it's, uh, I want to understand who are your most profitable customers? Where do you have the most inroad? Where are you best known? Um, and then, you know, what, what have you not captured yet there that we can work to, to help you do that? So for, for me, uh, really it's trying to focus a lot on, you know, because the easiest thing to do is say, well, we want to grow here, but there, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lack of foundational knowledge to really attack that. Right. Like they haven't done a lot of customer interviews. They haven't done a lot of market research. They haven't gotten to know a lot of people in the industry by doing things like walking trade shows and just talking to people in there. So there's just a lot of foundational things missing to attack new, new industries. And I would much prefer to go after that with like a, a good swath of just deep research and data and knowledge. Yeah, no, I totally understand that and agree with that. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, when you kind of like can get that calibration, right, where you like can set like, okay, I need to go in this right industry, you get all those different inputs from all those different sources. I think it's like, crucial to like have that set up first because I feel like a lot of like companies or like marketers in general just want to dive into it and while you know action is a really good thing and you should definitely prioritize in my opinion progress over perfection oh, it yeah. does kind of start at that strategy level where it's like we need to have a clear target and like you know clear goals and a clear plan and then you can go out and implement and execute for sure you definitely should be shipping it like yeah. don't 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 get it twisted yeah. i'm not saying do all this research to paralyze yourself no right. go ship but like spend some time having some having some like key assumptions that you're going to make going in that is that is that is founded on some research and some interviews and just some something you did to have some firsthand knowledge of what you're going after. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So let's assume that, you know, we have the strategy in place. So we know like what industries we're going to go after. We know who we want to target. So let's start at like the platform level, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about platforms, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go first here. When we're thinking about platforms, um, really the primary channels we're looking at where we find B2B buyers are is we're looking at LinkedIn and then we're looking at Facebook and Instagram. Yes, 
you know, there might be like a fringe use case for like Twitter or we were doing some experiments on Reddit, but we find like our core, you know, channels or platforms that we're looking at, we're looking at LinkedIn and we're looking at Facebook and Instagram to start. Is that kind of similar for you guys as well? And like, how do you kind of approach that? Yeah, I would agree with, with that in that order. Um, we definitely lean heavier towards LinkedIn. Um, for there's a, there's the big reason and probably the biggest difference between refine and what gorilla does is our clients are a little less well-versed in the idea of paid social. Mm. And so there's a lot of comfort level with LinkedIn with clients where they know the job title specifically of who they're targeting. They know the industry specifically of who they're targeting. There's data that can show them firsthand who it's getting in front of and, and what, and, and what consumption looks like. So we definitely lean heavily more heavily on the LinkedIn side. Although I know for, I mean, we have done Facebook advertising as well for clients successfully, but it, it, to me, I, I really stop it at, we have to be able to target by job title and I'm really not going to go much deeper than that. So if the job title doesn't exist for the client on Facebook, I'm not going to pursue it just because I want to make sure that they have a lot of certainty over, you know, who we're targeting firmographically. And, uh, and, and and make sure they align with who they're trying to target in terms of an ideal customer. Yeah, and I think, you know, you brought up a great point, like the targeting difference between the platforms, right? Because it's like, you know, if we mm-hmm. kind of like say, okay, you know, refine Gorilla, wherever, wherever you're looking at, if you're looking to target B2B, like Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn are probably your best two spots on paid social mm-hmm. to start. Yeah, it's the difference in targeting, right? Because like, you know, even here at Refine Labs, we use a tool like Metadata where we can like target, you know, um, have like LinkedIn level targeting on Facebook. But still, when we look at like our allocation between Facebook and LinkedIn for most clients, like typically what I've been experiencing, I work across four accounts, we've been shifting heavier towards LinkedIn. And the reason is just because you're gonna get that more concise targeting like you talked about. Even when you have a tool like Metadata, you can still get that targeting on Facebook, but a tool like that really only makes sense if you're spending, you know, 10, 15K a month on paid social. Yeah. And even then it's like, you know, it's, you gotta look at the ROI of it. So I think for most marketers, if they're not in that camp, definitely like what you're talking about here and what we're talking about, like Facebook, if you can get the job titles, great. If not, probably just a simple retargeting play is the way to go. But LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. like you said, that's really where you can build your audiences and you get all those demographic data where you can see how they're engaging. I will say though, if you can accurately target on Facebook natively and get in front of your ideal customer, you should do it over LinkedIn. I mean, the cost efficiency is just so much greater for you. Um, and you know, as long as you're doing the same kind of consumption analytics that you're doing, if you're doing just content distribution, it works really well. Um, you know, I'm, we, I'm running this with one client we're running, we're targeting firefighters basically on LinkedIn or targeting them on Facebook. So you can target them by job title, right? I mean, the cost of the CPM is $7 and 50 cents on, on, on Facebook and it's $70 on LinkedIn. So, I mean, you're talking about by a factor of nine, it's more cost efficient to advertise on Facebook. So if you can find your job titles on Facebook, do it. Um, but obviously for most of our clients, because of how niche they are, we, we tend to lean more towards LinkedIn and, and, and we're going to get more into targeting specifically. And I can explain why, but definitely that's kind of where we see the direction going. Yeah. And I think that's a great call. I mean, similar experience, like we're helping a, a client and they're targeting nonprofits, right? And like they're, you know, executive director, CEOs of nonprofits. And it's like, it's $11 CPMs on Facebook, 70 bucks on LinkedIn, very yeah. similar, right? Where it's like, you're going to have that difference. So like you said, if you can get it on Facebook, like take advantage of it. Right. And it's like, doesn't have to be the entire budget, but like 
take advantage of those cost efficiencies if you can. Oh, oh heck yeah. I mean, geez, if you're, if you're spending 10 grand a month, I mean, you should be putting two, two grand, 2,500 towards Facebook, like to that audience and then taking the rest of it towards LinkedIn where you know, it's going to be more expensive. I mean, that that's, I mean, that's not an exact science on the cost split, but I was, I was thinking about it just off the top of my head. That's kind of where I'd be leaning. Yeah, no, no. I definitely see that. Yeah. 10 to 20% on Facebook and then maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 80% on LinkedIn or up to 30% on Facebook. Depends on the targeting. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. So, okay. So like we've got the platforms, right? So Facebook, Instagram, like in one bucket. So you might have a budget allocation there heavier if you can, if you have more granular targeting, we've got like LinkedIn. So when you're thinking about targeting different audiences on, you know, these different platforms, right? Let's, let's, let's just focus on LinkedIn for now as a good starter. When you're thinking of like creating different audiences and who to target, what's your guys's historical approach been to that? Cause I mean, I'll, I'll have you go first and I'll share kind of, you know, what we do and we kind of like brainstorm and see if there's any similarities differences. Yeah. So for me, um, because most of our clients are smaller ad budgets, I mean, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this podcast who operate with smaller ad budgets. I know you guys play in a, in a bigger space, but we're talking, I'm talking, we work with clients who spend as little as four grand a month and has been up to 12, 12, 13, 14,000 a month. Right. And so for a lot of our clients who have four, you know, four or $5,000 a month to play with, you know, ideally what I would like to do if I had enough spend uh, available is I like to have three or four or five different audiences within the same industry to go to approach simultaneously and kind of run against each other to see which does better. Um, or maybe, maybe two of them do well and we can just focus on those two and just discard the, the other, the other two. Um, because my clients tend to have smaller budgets, we tend to have to take more, uh, I would say low risk bets on terms of the audience. And so we find ourselves a lot with clients that size, running to, to account lists first. So we kind of, we do the, I mean, it's, it's tedious work, but we go through and we go find all the different, different companies that exist within that ideal customer profile that would firmographically fit who they would want to go after by size or, or revenue or something like that. And then what we'll do is we'll take that and then we'll also try to compile a list of existing customers and then we'll exclude that out and then we'll see what that audience looks like. And then sometimes if you're going to do by job title after that, you know, it's, the audience is, just isn't large enough to run. So what we'll do, and the other thing is there's a lot of different people kind of within the buying committee that exists. You know, you it's not just a director of operations, right? You also have the maintenance guy or you have the, you know, VP of engineering or, or, or someone. There are other people that kind of touch that. So we really look a lot when we kind of go the account list route is we also will segment further by function, um, like job function. And then we'll also, if we have to segment further, we'll do it by, uh, we'll do it by, we'll do it by industry if we need to. But mostly we're trying to do like job, uh, like on the account list, account list and function. They usually gets us to a nice, a nice audience size that we feel comfortable running. Other kinds of things we try to do, um, definitely kind of go job title and industry. And we try to be really tight about that. So it's very easy to go uh, the job title route and then add in all the potential industries that exist in your, in your ICP. So I'm going after like machinery and industrial automation and oil and energy and automotive. And next thing I know, I have a, I'm an audience of 180,000. <laughs> I'm looking at that and I'm going, this is way too big for, you know, five grand a month. So try to like, and, and this goes back to that outset of like getting alignment with the executive team on what you're going after. Right. So when you have that alignment, you know, we can cut out all these other industries that we don't need to approach and we can stay focused there. So job title and industry would be another one that I would also do also company size, you know, I'm trying to get rid of the solopreneur that try to get rid of like the, I mean, the 10,000 plus, if, if they're not, if they don't want to play there, I want to, I want to get out of that. 
And then the other thing that I'll do, um, if it's something really specific, um, I'll target member skills because sometimes member skills for us can be really, really good. Cause like there's some very specific member skills out there that apply, uh, in industrial. So like one such is like, um, explosives. Like we, we have one client who, you know, they sell to people who work with, you know, uh, identifying IEDs and homemade explosives. And so explosives is a very, 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 very niche member skill that I can target really just that, that alone and run, you know? So I think some of it's being creative and it's, it's understanding deeply who you're trying to market to and who you're trying to sell to. And that really opens up a lot of audience possibilities for you. So I wouldn't discount member skills if you're really niche down, um, but mostly what I'm looking at is account list and then also job titles plus industry plus uh, plus industry size. Yeah, no, I think that's a great summary and like great point on the member skills. And I think just a great point on audience targeting how you do that overall. It starts with knowing your customer or your in your case, your client's customer, but it starts with knowing them and then getting that targeting, like knowing what are the parameters that I need that are going to work best for me. Right. Because you'll hear I feel like a trap some marketers might fall into is like they'll read too much stuff on LinkedIn or they'll read a couple different like blogs about like targeting or watch some different YouTube videos. And like while all those resources are helpful, I think what's the most helpful is like you need like a solid foundation. So like kind of what you talked about, Matt, account list or you can do like industry job title and company size or you know if you have contacts you can even do like a contact list but i think starting mm-hmm. with those fundamentals but then also seeing like what's right for my business right because it's like frameworks are just that they're frameworks but they need to be tailored to your specific audience targeting so i think that's like a really really strong call out there yeah i think like another thing to keep in mind anyone who does not run a lot of linkedin campaigns in their life or uh or just getting started like the audience you start with is not the audience you're going to end up with either like once you actually get in and start running you know, the best part about LinkedIn for ads is the demographic data and use that demographic data to start further whittling your audience away and getting those bad fit job titles or bad fit companies or, or things like that out of your, you know, out of the audience. So I think like, it's like when you play fantasy football, right? You draft the greatest team in the world and you're like, I'm going to go, you know, 13 or 0 this year, win the championship. And then by the, then by the middle of the, of the season, like you basically flipped half your roster through free agency. Um, it's the same thing when you're running your group, you're at your audience on LinkedIn ads, right? You can build the greatest audience in the world, but guess what? You're going to make a series of adjustments to it over time as you learn a lot running campaigns to those audiences. Man, I don't know if, if, if making audiences on LinkedIn is like being a fantasy football manager. I haven't made the playoffs in like three years. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if I can tell my clients that how, how bad I am at fantasy football. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, cool. No, I mean, I think you're like 100% spot on though. Like the audience you start with isn't the one that you're going to end up with, right? You make those tweaks along the way. One question that I often get, and like we talked about this in the event, when is an audience too big, right? Because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up. They're like, you know, they see something online where it's like an audience needs to be this size because the algorithm needs to do this to learn. It's like, no, it's not that complex. It can actually be a lot simpler than that. Um I'll give kind of my take first, basically like what we'll do. I'll give an example. So we had a client and they were um, targeting restaurant owners in the UK. And basically how we built their audience estimate of like how how many we should target is we just like looked at some publicly available data from the um, uh, government in the UK. And we looked at, okay, how many registered restaurants are there? So there was like, I don't know, 120,000. And we say, okay, let's assume that there's three to five decision makers at each restaurant. 
So the smaller ones, there's probably only one, but we'll just make an estimate, right? Get a rough idea. And we were like, okay, there's 120,000 restaurants and we've got three to five decision makers. So our target audience size, if we had every single person in our uh, total addressable market, would be like between 360 to 500K, right? And it's like a calibration. And so obviously it's going to be like different. And especially like, I, you know, I know you've talked about it and like we've experienced that as well, where it's like if you have a tool that can go across different industries, those estimates can get pretty crazy or there might not be like publicly available data. But I generally think that like you need to start Again, it all goes back to like knowing your customer. Start with like, okay, how many of my, you know, what's my market look like? What's my total addressable market look like? What's the size? And then I can kind of like work backwards from that. Because I think if you do the other way with, with just looking at what can the platform build, you can like, you know, that's where you can find some waste in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I don't think like, so there is such a thing as too big of an audience, but I always yeah. look at it against your budget more so like if you have, if, if you're spending, you know, $10,000 a month, I, I kind of have like, it's the, the, these are rules, these are rules of thumb and not hard and not hard and fast rules for me. But I kind of look at it as if like, if I'm spending three to 5k a month. I usually don't want my audience to exceed 25,000. Now I, d- I certainly have like ranges that I'll, I'll tolerate within that. And then I kind of just escalate what I think is an acceptable audience size until I get to that point. But really what happens is that's all just an assumption that I'm making, right? I'm doing my research. I'm building the audience in the platform. I'm doing external research as well to kind of get a sense of what the total adjustment market might look like. And then, you know, what I'm doing is eventually you got to get to the point where you're running ads or, or running content to those people. And then it's like, okay, well, is my budget appropriate or not? And I always kind of look at that against frequency. And so, you know, you can build the greatest audience in the world, but the actual number that matters is the reach. Like how many, how many of that audience is actually active on the platform and how many of them are you reaching? Right. And so on LinkedIn, I'm finding you're going to reach 20 to 40% of that audience by and large, somewhere in that range. That's what I found historically to be the case. And then I'm looking at frequency. Sorry. So how many times within the 30 day period, am I hitting them? And if I find that my frequency is really low, um, then my then my audience is too big, in my opinion, for my budget. So, I mean, I think your budget needs to be to a certain point where you can hit frequency. And if you're not hitting frequency, your audience is too big. You need to segment it into a, into a second audience and then run that concurrently. That's that's how I at least approach it in my head and think about it. I don't know if you guys do that a little differently. No, I mean, I think that's a like, good kind of like benchmark. I don't know if I have like a hard and fast, like if I have this much budget, I'll target this much audience. I think it's, you know, it is that it is really, I think that's a good start. Um, I'll have to like think more about that. But in terms of, yeah, looking at, you know, audience that we're using, y'all typically like, you know, if we have say 130,000 person audience, like I've got one running, it's like 130, 110 around there. Like I have it segmented between, as you were talking about earlier, it's like, I've got my decision makers. So like, you know, the CEOs, um, the executive directors, and then I've got like my influencers for who this, um, you know, client, it's like the marketing leaders so the marketing directors. And so like, I've got it segmented there and kind of exactly how you're saying, I've got my budget that I have for the month and I've got to be able to see, okay, am I reaching these decision makers, you know, three to four times or whatever my frequency I'm trying to set. And then for the influencers, am I reaching them three to four times, you know? And it's like, for example, if I was reaching the influencers and that's great, that's fine um, at frequency, but I'm not reaching the decision makers, to your mm-hmm. point, it might be, you know, a good idea to like break that up and like make it into smaller audiences so you can kind of get more granular level on the budget and then also kind of seeing the insights who you're actually reaching. 
Yeah, I think another thing to consider is like the higher up the org chart you target, the more expensive it's going to be for you. So if you want to go to CEOs and founders and owners and board members, like you're going to, it's going to be more expensive, right? Your CPM is going to be higher. You're looking at 20 bucks a click, probably sometimes up to 30. Uh, if you're doing, if you're doing website, if you're doing landing page views, and then if you go kind of the, the lower down the org chart, you go to like, you know, the engineering manager or the operations manager, you know, tends to get more in like that $10 a click, $11 a click, you know, 45 to 55 uh, CPM. So, I mean, the other thing is to think about, you know, who are you targeting? Like, and what's their position in the org chart? Because you should definitely be allocating your spend appropriately based on are they the decision maker and how high up in the organizational chart are they? Because the higher up you go, the more expensive it is. And you may want to allocate a little bit more of your budget percentage to that audience so you can get you can reach them as frequently as you want. I love that you called out to um, kind of like getting really tactical here, but like love that you called out like, you know, difference between like if you're using a website visit versus if you're doing like brand awareness. So yeah. maybe let's like talk through that because I feel like a lot of people, you know, a lot of what people see online is like really high level strategic. And I feel like there's like a gap in terms of like tactical talking about this. Sure. So, I mean, basically how like we'll approach it, right, is like if we're running ads on LinkedIn or if I'm running ads for a client on LinkedIn, I'm using like two main objectives to distribute content. So I'm using brand awareness primarily, but then I am layering in website visits. If it's like a high value page that I want the, um, that audience member to go to that page. But I really, I think like the big difference for most people listing between the two, right? Brand awareness is going to be focused on getting your ad in as front as many people as possible in the feed. And you're going to have lower CPMs, right? Mm -hmm. But website visits, you know, obviously you might have higher CPMs, but, and you might not reach as many people, but you're going to get more people to your landing page. And as you were talking about CPC, get like a lower cost per uh, click. So, I mean, do you guys kind of approach it the same way we're using those two primary objectives or how do you think about that? Yeah, I do approach with those two primary objectives. I've also used engagement before. So I had I had one client whose budget was very low and he wanted to visit a he wanted to target a very expensive ad group. And it was just like the only way for this to work is to use engagement, which means basically any action they do on the ad you pay for, but it's very cost effective for you to do that. So I've used I've used engagement as sort of a last resort objective. Um, and if you have very, very small budgets and very, very expensive tar uh audience you're targeting, I would at least think about that if you find your brand awareness to be too rich for you. But yes, um, overall, website business and brand awareness are definitely the things that we're, we focus on the most. Uh, obviously, uh, conversions, if you're doing retargeting as well, um, is, is the other thing to do. Uh, if you're not doing native lead gen, there's website conversions, which is another objective. And if you're doing retargeting, you should be using that. You'll find your, you'll find your cost per click to be pretty reasonable there. Um, so that, that would be the other one that I would, I would not, uh, discount, but yeah, so brand awareness has been really our go-to a uh, couple of things sort of, I've, I've noticed in, in brand awareness that I like, and I don't like, so brand awareness as an objective, I like that it's usually lower cost CPM. So you get in front of more people. I do like the, uh, the optimization strategy of reach where you can reach as many people in your target audience as possible. I don't like that you are basically pigeonholed into maximizing your budget. And so you don't get a chance to do anything around target cost. If you're going to use reach, for instance, as a, uh, as a, as a bidding, as an objective or as a sort of a, uh, an optimization strategy. So just something to keep in mind, if you're going to use brand awareness and then go use reach, which is what I would recommend doing, you have no control over your, your budget aside from what you set aside daily. You can't try to gain the algorithm to get cheaper clicks or cheaper CPMs or anything like that. Um, 
Website visits, um, I do like just for what you said, if I want them to go to a high value landing page and I really want them to consume that content, I really like to run a brand awareness campaign in conjunction with the website visits campaign. So I'm at least getting reach and I'm getting that kind of high level message there before I can actually try to get them to click through and actually consume something on maybe uh, on maybe like a product a product marketing landing page, like an industry specific landing page. So, so yeah, so those are definitely the two main objectives that we kind of roll through. One other thing uh, that I would caution you or to look at if you're going to use either of those two. I also like to just look at those two objectives against one another. Because one thing I've also found, like if you're going to do website visits as um, as an objective, you're obviously trying to get the most efficient landing page cost per click if possible. Sometimes when you run brand awareness, though, you can get cheaper landing page clicks and reach more people at the same time. So, you know, I would, I mean, I would almost default to brand awareness, uh, and then you know, see if see if that's successful or not. If you're not getting the landing page views that you're looking for, then I would go to website visits. But that's that's just my own approach, and there's there's no right or wrong way, in my opinion, to do that. No, that's a super powerful like call out though, because it's like I mean, I had the same thing happen where we were like testing different audiences, and this was actually on Facebook, and so we were um, looking at the different audiences, and the same thing where it's like I had like some like you know brand awareness reach campaigns going on Facebook, and then I directly um, you know same content, same audiences, but I like directly tested that against the uh, like traffic landing page views, and I was getting more reach and cheaper landing page views and still good engagement when we would go and look in GA with the reach objective. So it is like you said, and it, it all kind of comes back to what we're the main theme here. It's like knowing your customer, but then also knowing your own business and kind of setting your own benchmarks and really knowing yeah. like what's working for me, right? Or what's working for my business and like what's working for my marketing. Yep. A hundred percent. Like, you know, people are going to give their, their examples of campaigns that were great for them. And just because it worked great for them doesn't mean it's going to work great for you. I mean, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. You're going to ultimately have to get in these sort of platforms yourself and go and go run with it and figure out what's most effective for you because there's no, there's no two identical use cases out there. Yeah. hundred percent. So I guess, you know, we've talked about, really like kind of we were like laddered down like you know from the strategy level now we've gotten like kind of really tactical and i want to kind of ladder back up to the strategy before we jump back into the tactics so you were talking a little bit about you know like product ads and we're talking about the content that we're actually running for these campaigns so i guess you know let, let's start with like the the strategy and the content that we're running because i think what a lot of people in b2b have seen over the years is a lot of the same plays right it's like we make an ebook we gate it and we use a native lead gen form and we run lead gen on paid social and leave for three months right mm -hmm. and oh, so yeah. i and so i mean i think a lot of listeners to this podcast are probably pretty you know aligned philosophically with their approach or at least familiar with it but I'll, I'll just kind of reiterate and you can kind of maybe add some color to it but really the goal of how we're using paid social is we want to distribute valuable content to your target buyer and so that valuable content might be a case study of how other you know uh, companies like your customer how they had success with your product. It might be uh, product ads, so like how your product works and how it actually um, solves you know business problems within that customer's business or your target audience's business. Um, might be like a problem awareness blog where you're just like trying to like educate and like show like hey you know this is a problem that you know that that is alive in these different businesses, right? Especially like um, we work with a couple of companies that they're trying to create their own category, so they have to really lean in on that education piece of like why you would need this product and what problem it solves. And so it's like leaning on different 
piece of content like that and as we talked about using like a brand awareness reaching as many people in the feed as you can so that they are consuming that content so they're becoming more educated about your company your product the business problems that it solves the you know potential roi it can bring for your business and how it can help them and how it's helped other companies right so you're kind of yeah. like telling this cohesive story in paid social where people already are. So like, that's kind of like my like 30 second or 60 second view of like how we're using paid social, any color you'd add to that about how you guys are using it. Yeah. I think like one thing I would add um, to that is I think everybody thinks they can be very down the middle with their kind of messaging and get away with it. I talked about this on LinkedIn earlier this week. Um, but I think increasingly because of the disbursement of content that exists out there today. Like there is literally content everywhere and everybody is saying some amalgamation of the same thing out there. Like as part of your strategy and your positioning, you have to must, it is imperative in this day and age. I don't care if you're in SaaS or in industrial or in finance, um, you have to have a point of view that you want to make sure that you are communicating to the market and that you are consistently communicating across all these different content pieces. So when you're running product marketing, when you're running case studies, when you're when you're running problem awareness blogs, they all should fall under the umbrella POV that you've developed that you wanna make sure that everyone knows because people today win, you win on messaging at this point, probably more than anything in, in this day and age. And so it all has to, all these content pieces, which I completely agree with you, they are by far the most effective that I, I have run product marketing, case studies, um, for sure. Um, and, and problem awareness blogs have to have a POV that kind of rolled that, that they all roll under that is consistent and that is compelling, you know? So I think the other, the other aspect of that is to make sure you have something there that is differentiated and is unique and is clear, um, to your audience. So that, that would be the only other thing I would layer on top of that. No, I mean, that's so, that's so crucial, right? Cause it's like, you can't, you have to like go all in, like you said, on like your messaging and you have to have something to say, right? Cause it's like not enough to just say like, we save you time. We no, like every, like, everybody says that, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, I mean, at, at least you could, you could call yourself like, you know, like I, I have one client I ran and I, and this is a great campaign I ran for them. And I basically started to umbrella this with them. Like we ran like, look, this is the original window manufacturing machine. You've never seen like, like no one, no one's done this before or since. And that was one of my best performing product marketing campaigns. And like, it doesn't have to be like this scorched earth position, but it needs to be a flag you're planting in the ground where you are this and you can roll with this or you can roll away from it. But the good thing is if you plant, plant a flag like that, you will invariably, if you do a good enough job executing, rally people around that point of view. And then you will also do the other thing that you should do is alienate people away from that point of view. And that's a good thing because when you alienate people away from your point of view, then you know what you need to do to fill that gap and shore up and shift them into, you know, your way and, and your, your, uh, your perspective on business life category, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, that's key, right? It's like, you know, you have like you basically when you're coming to market, you have a new way of doing something. That's why you're in business. Mm -hmm. That's why you're selling something. It's like, why not tell people about that? Why just, you know, why be so generic when, you know, not get people like fired up or like people seeing like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, no, go all in on it, man. And just, you know, really say with your product, like, here's what we solve for. Here's how, you know, we're better than the old way or, you know, or here's how like the, you know, the macro world has changed and how this better fits into the world. Like really communicating that is key. If you really want to, as you said, rally people to your cause and you're going to alienate some people, but 
you know, it's it's really um, key to having success. I think on Facebook. it's like it's like Peep says, Peep Law, like people buy people buy and make decisions on emotion and then they justify it with like reason and logic. So, I mean, you have to tap into emotion in some way, shape or form to get someone's attention. Cause think about when you're running campaigns on LinkedIn, like what is your, what is your objective more than anything? It's to get them to stop scrolling and read the, and read the ad. And the bonus is if they click through and actually read the landing page. So, you know, what's your message and what's your creative um, going to be, that's going to make someone stop and go, huh, I totally, that's, that's interesting. Or, huh, that guy is full of, you know, so yeah. you gotta, you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of be willing to go after and go for an emotional reaction. Yeah, totally. So I think um, kind of as we're like, you know, wrapping up here, um, one last topic I want to talk about with all this, you know, we've kind of gone through from the top level, the strategy all the way through like just specific ads that you'll run. Um, but let's talk about like, how do we prove that this is working or how do we report on that this is working? Because if you're in B2B marketing, like attribution is a central part of your job because you yep. basically have to be able to communicate to your executive team and they have to communicate to the board. Or if you're high level, you have to communicate to the board that marketing is working and bringing in revenue, right? Not just bringing in leads, like marketing's not hitting their target and sales isn't, but that marketing is contributing to the growth of the business. So I'll, I'll serve that one up to you. How do you guys do it first? And I can kind of talk through some of the ways that we'll do it. Yeah, so look, you and I both champion the same idea of content distribution, like ungaining everything, put value in front of your audience, trust that they will find their way to your company in some way, shape or form inbound to request a quote, request a demo, um, you know, begin a sales conversation, right? So the only way that doing content distribution like that works is if you break the rule of direct attribution across all channels, right? You have to take a holistic inbound um, attribution method to, to this in order for it to work because you're basically depending on people coming direct to your website after being influenced and educated and convinced by your paid campaign efforts to basically come inbound. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of people who come in and last touch attribution is going to say direct traffic, branded organic, right? Um, if it's Google ads, it should capture that for you, but not always, you know, so to me, the only way that this works from an attribution standpoint is if you use a holistic inbound funnel. So you have to be willing to do that. You put things in place like self-reported attribution um, plus last touch. Plus if you have uh, actually, if you have attribution software that you can lay on top of that, and you should be looking at all three of those things against each other because none of them are, they're all going to say different things. And what you're really looking at is looking at that quantitative data to make a qualitative assessment over what channels are working best for you and not. Right. And so you should be, when you're doing self-reported, especially at the outset, you're going to get a lot of word of mouth heard about you here. Uh, this, Co, uh, this old colleague, this old colleague referred you, or I talked to someone in my end and good. That word of mouth is, is a good thing to know. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing, you know, paid content distribution because what you really want to do is keep educating people. So they think of you when that question comes up in the first place. Right. So to me, like you use each of these data points to have the discussion around what's working and what's not. Over time, if you're doing it well, you're going to see that word of mouth start to take up a little bit more, take up more towards heard about you on Facebook, heard about you in this Facebook community or this Slack group or something like that. And that's that to me is a reflection that your product is good and that your and that your demand gen efforts are working. Yeah, and I, I think you hit it on the head, right? It's it's looking at 
all of those different tools. So taking the quantitative and like you said, making the qualitative decision, right? Because it's like no dashboard is going to tell you what to do next. It's no. going to give you the insights, but that comes from you. Like you can't automate that. And I feel like a lot of people just want like, I want my clear line of I put in, you know, a dollar here and got five or $10 out and we can just scale that up infinitely until we are a unicorn. It's like, well, it's, it's not always that linear and it's actually never that linear, you know? Yeah, I know. There's, there's like those breakthroughs that you have. Right. You know, and the other thing, and you made, you made this point sort of indirectly, but looking at your attribution over a long time horizon as well. Like if you look at attribution month over month, over month, over month, when you're rolling this program out, you're going to be miserable because you're going to look at it after three months and you're going to see basically zero movement. And you're going to go, this isn't working. Turn this off. I did this with one of my clients. We basically did an entire just reboot of their whole marketing presence, right? We, we redid their website, conversion rate optimization across from their homepage, all the way through to their contact page. We, we made new content for them. We set it up, we repurposed it for specific channels. We started running um, demand gen using LinkedIn and using Google ads. Those are our two primary, our two primary methods of, of, uh, of, of, of paid acquisition. And first two, first three, first quarter I ran demand gen for this client and we were, and we were working on things on their website zero inbound pipeline that quarter. And I was like, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, but you know, I was like, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient. Um, it will come around. We are in front of, I mean, all the LinkedIn demographic data, all the leading indicators on who we were going after all said we were doing the right thing. And I was like, be patient. This will work. This content is good. We have the targeting right. Like this just needs more time. Next quarter, $1.6 million in pipeline. Quarter after that, $955,000 in pipeline. We're at so far, we're at a month and a half through this quarter, $1.6 million in pipeline. So, wow. you know, you have to give it time for it to mature because it's not like, it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to get your targeting right. You have to get your content right. You have to get your website conversion optimization right. You have to coach that you have to coach your, you have to coach your client sometimes on the sales handoff as well. And then you also have to respect buying cycles take a long time. I mean, this client's buying cycle is nine, nine months um, on average. Sometimes it's a lot longer. So, you know, you have to give it time to mature and play out and just be confident in what you're seeing qualitatively is going to pay off quantitatively down the road, but you have to be brutally honest with yourself about what you're seeing in the ad platforms and with the content consumption. Mic drop right there. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I could even, even add it to it, but I mean, I, I think if I was going to add something to it, the only thing I would like um, really kind of like reinforce from that is, you know, yeah, you're taking these insights and you need to be patient. You need to like factor in for your sales cycle time, but you also have to look at, yeah, marketing as you kind of talked about, you look at everything coming in through this like holistic website funnel where people are contacting you and they're high intent. And then you have to look at like the metrics beyond that to measure success, right? Like the goal isn't higher click through rate or just engagement. Those are good leading indicators, which we talked about help inform. And then ultimately what you're measuring and what you hopefully are reporting onto your executive team is, you know, you're looking at, you know, how many that we have come through the top is like a demo or a price request in your guys, a lot of your guys' case. But then, you know, how many marketing opportunities that we create, how much yep. pipeline. And then ultimately, after you've given yourself enough time, you're going to look at, you know, how much close one revenue. And then you're going to start to look at things after you get that in place, like sell cycle length, pipeline velocity, different things. So also, just the efficiency of it, right? Like yep. raw, raw lead to win ratio, right? M MQ, M M M uh, M 
MQL, the MQL opportunity, mm-hmm. um, um, opportunity to close one, you know, like all these things matter. Like they need to start looking at efficiency. Right. So with this client in particular that I mentioned, like their raw lead to opportunity is 9%, which is, which I, I think is, I think is pretty good. And I'm pretty proud of that. Their MQL to opportunity is like 25%. Like basically 25% of what we score as an MQL gets an opportunity and an opportunity with this client means they're late stage pipeline. It doesn't mean like they're just in that sign of discovery session. Fluffy, there's, no yeah, dollar, yeah. there's no dollar amount assigned to it at that point. So to me, like I'm looking a lot at not just, is it working? Are we getting people coming in? Is it also efficient vis-a-vis how the business is built to prospect and nurture people coming in in the first place? Yeah, man. No, that's this. This has been great. Like I've like I feel like we've walked through, you know, the entire obviously we could go for like I feel like I go for hours. I feel like we both could um, and I kind of like walk through this. But I guess, you know, today we've kind of covered like how you can like start looking at like paid social or if you're already doing it, how you can kind of like reevaluate it within um, your marketing org closing thoughts like anything you'd like to like leave like the listeners with to like wrap up or something for them to think about as they kind of go out and try to implement this on their own if you're gonna if you're gonna get started doing paid social especially if you're someone who hasn't done it much before keep it simple for yourself very simple think of one audience you want to go after think of a few different ways to slice that audience up so you can test different audiences have your content ready uh, have your have all your ducks lined in a row. Deeply understand who you're trying to target and why. Um, make sure that you have. Make sure you're looking at your website and that your conversion path is is optimized. You're making it stupid easy for someone to talk to talk to you if they want to. And that would be that. That would be sort of my my just starter advice for getting getting off the ground. You will as you run with that, learn a lot along the way, and 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 be able to optimize. Um, but to me, the starting point is know exactly who you're going after, know what content you have at your disposal to go after them and make sure that your website is optimized for people to very easily talk to your sales team if, if, and when they're ready. Yeah. And I would, I would add, you know, add to that and like, kind of like, um, you know, build on that. We've just saying, you know, you can I had a, uh, somebody I was working with say, you can't scale complicated. And like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the truth. I, got, I thought that was like all right on the money. So it's like, when you're talking about focus on one audience, you know, one ad, have your website ready, the conversion optimization, all those different things, like keep it simple. And then like, don't try to recreate the wheel. Chances are you already have a case study on your website. Mm-hmm. Use that case study. Like don't try to create on that new page. Don't try to go find a new customer. Like if you don't have it, yeah, you need to do that. But if you already have some content available, use that as your V1 and then iterate and improve. Yep. hundred percent. Well, this has been great. Matt, really appreciate having you on. I hope this was valuable for everyone that's listening. But uh, yeah, man, we'll have to do another one of these soon. This is awesome. We definitely should, man. Uh, I'll give people, if people want to reach out to me at all, by the way, I'm on LinkedIn, Matthew Shell. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And then uh, also uh, I have my own podcast uh, with MJ Peters, the industrial marketing show. If you don't work in SaaS and you work in more conventional industries, uh, really a lot of the things we talk about apply across things aside from industrial, definitely invite you to listen if you're interested. Awesome. Yeah. And like, likewise, you know, if anyone's listening, they have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm kind of an open book. Love to help out people that are, you know, in a spot where they could use some, you know, marketing help. And uh, yeah, this has been great. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, man.